many of you all have pets? Raise your hand. All right. Do me a favor. Go ahead and turn to the person next to you, the person in the row in front, behind. Tell the story of your favorite pet you've ever had. Go for it. dog we got a lot of favorite pets out there <laughs> all right so just curious how many dog lovers do we have in the building raise your hand very good how many cat lovers I'm sorry um, I just um, any others I had um, uh, hamsters at their first service um, also, a bearded dragon, too, at the first service. Any other unique pets out there? Feel free to shout them out. Tarantula. Okay. A fish. Oh, I forgot about fish. Can't forget about fish. Absolutely. Any others? Say again. Rabbits. Very good. Any others? That's a golden egg right there. No, I like that. Good. That's free food. I love that. But yeah. Very good. Well, pets are an extraordinary thing. I love pets. But my favorite pet, if I had to pick one, is definitely dogs. I love dogs. And I think they're the best pets out there. I grew up with them in the house where I grew up. Um, and I had a golden retriever. His name was Sam. That's not Sam, but Sam was cuter than he is. But yeah, so... Um, I, my parents got Sam when I was only six months old, so for the most of my childhood, this dog was around in the house. Sam lived till he was 16 years old. Yeah, big, dumb, lovable brute of a dog. I love that guy. But yes, so um, my parents, they had a decent um, plot of land outside of town, um, so they had a dog line strung between two trees so the dog could have some space to run around in the yard without getting into too much trouble. However, Sam was a strong enough dog that wherever a squirrel or something like that would pop up, he would take off full speed and he would end up breaking that dog line more often than not. The story goes that my dad had to buy a line that was designed to hold back a calf, a young cow, because Sam was that strong. But yes, I loved this dog. I'm not able to have dogs right now. I live in an apartment. They don't let me have dogs. I know it's sad, but yes. Um, but I live vicariously through my brother-in-law and my sister who have three large mutts. Um, I love these dogs. One is uh, definitely has some German Shepherd and like yellow lab to him. The other one has a lot of black lab. And the third one, definitely some Rottweiler in him. So as you can imagine, it can be pretty entertaining 
They're very well-trained dogs, by the way. But it can be pretty entertaining to take these dogs for a walk. All you dog owners know how much fun a dog has, not even on the walk, but the anticipation of going on a walk. You say the word walk, their ears perk up, their eyes brighten a little bit. They start doing their little happy dance or something like that. Uh, I know that it's a trouble even to get the leash on them because they're spinning in circles so much because they're that excited. I don't think there's anything that a dog enjoys more than going for a walk. Now, another thing about dogs that I think is so fascinating and so beautiful is that they model themselves after their master. They copy the master's moods. If the master is happy, the dog tends to be happy. If the master is sad, they console and they often are sad too. If the master is angry, that dog's wrath is quickly kindled. But the master is good, that dog tends to be too. You guys can probably see where I'm going with this. You and I have a very gracious master, our Lord, our Heavenly Father, the creator of the whole universe and everything in it. And as we learned two weeks ago, we believe, we trust that there is a God, a God that we may not be able to experience with our senses, yet the complexity of all of creation is a testimony to his existence. And last week, we learned that the stories of God that are compiled in our Bibles, the stories of him interacting with his creation are trustworthy and are true. This week, we ask this question. Is God in control? Now, in our secular world, it can be easy to believe that there is no master. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. And for those of us who believe that there is a God, that we come to church on Sunday, it can be easy for us to think that he's just not around that much. Here's an easy temptation that we might have. We go to church on Sunday, but God doesn't control what happens in our lives on Monday. In other words, while we might come to church on Sunday, it's hard to see what bearing God has on the rest of our lives. Is God really in control of the world with how much suffering is in it? I come to church, I hear about these amazing stories about God, how he healed the sick, the lame, the crippled, the incredible deeds that he accomplished in the Old Testament. Then I go back to life and it feels like I'm hanging by a thread. I go back home and I face negative degree temperatures like last week as I try to shovel off my truck with snow. Just curious, how many of you guys have garages? I'm jealous, I'm not going to lie, I don't have one. I go back home and I face another frustrating off-season of football because the Green Bay Packers lost hopelessly last week. I know how Bears fans feel, I'm sorry. But jokes aside, there is plenty of suffering, there's plenty of hardship that exists in our world today. And it doesn't take much for us to look up and to wonder if our God even cares. But our Old Testament reading for today, Psalm 139, 
paints this beautiful picture of how God knows you and cares deeply for you. Let's read together again verses 1 through 4 of that Old Testament reading. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. God knows you. He knows you. Look around here today. Look at the person sitting next to you. How well do you know that person? I imagine fairly well. Look at the people around you a couple rows away. How well do you know them? Maybe less. The person across the room for you, probably less, even more so. I struggle to know everyone's names, even though I've been working here for seven months now. But yes. But we have a Heavenly Father. Our God knows each and every one of you by name. He knows me. He knows James Alexander Kirk. He's known me from the moment of my conception up into the present time, all the way until the end of my life or until Christ returns again in his second coming in power and in glory. He knows my every mood, my every thought, everything about me. He knows what I'm having a good day when I'm having a bad one. He knows what mood I'm in. He knew my mood when I got up this morning. He knew my mood last week when it was negative 10 degrees outside, and I was scraping snow off of my truck that I had left out when it all froze. That wasn't my best decision. He knew my mood when the Green Bay Packers in Wild Card Weekend completely destroyed the Dallas Cowboys and how great of a mood I was in. He knew how inconsolable I was when they lost to the 49ers last night. He knows my every mood. He knows when you feel sad, when you feel glad, and everything in between. He knows my every habit for good or for ill. He knows my morning routine, my bedtime routine. He knows how I like to take my coffee. He knows those habits that I can't seem to break that are sinful. He knows those habits that are good, that help establish my godly character. He knows your every habit for good or for ill, and he loves you and I anyway. He knows every word that you've ever said or will say. He remembers that first word that was on your tongue, and he knows the last words you will ever say before you even say them. This psalm helps speak to God's omniscience, his all-knowing nature about you and me and everyone else in all creation. But God doesn't just know every detail. He also is present with you at every step of your life. Let's hear verses 7 through 10 again. Let's read it together. Where can I go from your spirits? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, 
Even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, God is with you at every step of your life. His Holy Spirit is present, is active in your life. And God's hand is always with you. It leads us, guiding us through our journey through life. Like a master guiding along his favorite dog on a walk with his hands by the leash. His presence is inescapable. Um, Psalm 23 says that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Um, another way to translate that would be surely your goodness and mercy will chase after me, pursue me all the days of my life. God's presence in your life is inescapable. But how easy for it when that dog is on a walk to want to wander away. It seems like on every part of the journey, there are different distractions that can come up uh, that take away the, our pet's attention. I mentioned those three big dogs. Um, one of my ways I like to live vicariously through my brother-in-law and my sister is that I'll take them out for walks all the time. It can be quite a handful to wrestle all three of those dogs at the same time. Maybe a squirrel will come along. Uh, maybe there's another dog that's barking through a fence. And these are very well-trained dogs. I give my brother-in-law and my sister a lot of credit. But it can be very easy for these dogs to be distracted by different things that come up on the journey. And in the same way for you and for I, it's not hard to see when temptations, when trials come up in the journey of our lives. We all too often can be pulled in this way or that and take our eyes off of the what we are trying to do or where God is trying to lead us. But Isaiah 53 says that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. Temptation and trouble will come up for every Christian. Even Jesus says to his disciples on Monday, Thursday evening, the night before Jesus was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, right before he was crucified for our sins, he says to his disciples, his best friends, in this world you will have trouble. Now, Jesus does not say, in this world you might have trouble. Not might, but will. And the same reality extends to us. For the disciples, it meant that they scattered and they ran away from him when he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And all but one of these disciples would suffer a violent death of martyrdom or dying for their faith in Jesus. This goes to show, especially for Christians, that suffering is not only to be expected, but guaranteed. Now, why would God allow such a thing to happen to his best friends? Why would God allow such hardships to happen to us in our own lives? Is it that he's powerless to stop it? Is it that he's indifferent, that he just doesn't care? We'll come back to these questions, but let's go another way for a minute. Now, in our practice, in our church year, we tend to uh, learn about these 
different stories about Jesus. A little bit under a month ago, we all celebrated Christmas, that wonderful holiday. And if you're lazy like me, you might still have your decorations out a little bit. Anyone else or just me? Okay. A couple. All right. Very good. But yeah. And we learn about the incredible story of the baby Jesus as he came in a manger. Um, later on, in about a month's time, we'll start focusing on Lent and the different stories about Jesus' passion, his um, crucifixion, the events of Holy Week. And then afterwards, we'll celebrate Easter Sunday as well. Now, this is a good thing for us to do. It's important for us to know these stories, to read, mark, learn, and to take them to heart because they are very important for us in our faith. They mean a lot to us. Now, the trouble is, though, with this structure is that all these events happened a good 2,000 years ago. It's hard for us to realize where Jesus is today at any given time. To help answer this question, let's look at Philippians chapter 2. It says that God exalted him, being Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our friend, our advocate, is Lord of all creation. The one who loves you enough to come into this fallen, sinful world to suffer, to die for us, is risen, is ascended, and is more powerful than any adversity that you and I will ever encounter. Just as a good master guides his dog by the hand on the walk, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, guides you with hands marked by the scars of his crucifixion. I don't know what suffering and problems that you guys are dealing with. Some I do, but not all. I don't know the hardships that you might struggle with. But know this. Jesus never guides us down darker paths that he did not first go himself. He loves you so much and he cares for you so deeply and he leads us through our darkest hours to celebrate our greatest joys. And just, just as he told his disciples on that same Monday, Thursday night, in this world you will have trouble but take heart. I have overcome the world. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of adversity, God works all things for good. In all things. In the good, in the bad, in everything in between. Paul says in Romans 8 that we know in all things God works together for the good of those who love him. For those who have been called according to his purposes. Jesus stands as your guide with his sin-scarred hands triumphant over sin, death, and the devil. He walks with us on our journey through life in his kingdom, just like we enjoy to do, taking our dogs for walks in, his, in corners of his creation. And yet, 
just as we can think and reason so much better than our pets often can. Our God's thoughts are so much higher than our own thoughts. His ways are much higher than our ways. But yet our God does not think to see us as pets or something that trivial. He thinks of us as his children. Deeply loved and cared for by our God. He is our Heavenly Father and He guides and orders and directs all things in your life from the moment of conception throughout every stage of your life until its very end. He is in control of your life. Strive to live according to His will. Enjoy all the days of your life as He guides you along the way.